Hi there. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, March 25th, 2021. He is Tristan H. Cockroft. The H stands for happy. Kyle Sapi produces and researches our show, and I'm merely Eric Carabell. On today's show, lots of injuries, lots of closer news, uh, trivia, and hash browns, as always. Tristan, how are you doing? How many, uh, how many important drafts do you have left? I have three big drafts remaining. Yeah, one tonight, and then uh, the huge one is Sunday. Oh, no, I have, four, I have four. That's right. I'm sorry. I have two on Sunday. <laughs> you have two drafts on Sunday. Both drafts are an auction or what? Uh, auction or whatever we want to call it, salary cap draft, however we want to term that these days. Um, and then it's a, a night, like late night uh, regular draft. Well, so a busy day for you on Sunday. I think I have one more draft. I have a couple ongoing, and then I have one big one on Monday night. All right, let's get to the news because there's a lot of it. Um, I think we should start with uh, Fernando Tatis, shoulder contusion. Uh, everyone got scared, people tweeting in, should we move him out of the first round? Um, I saw the highlights of it when it happened. Uh, concern with Tatis, they say he might even play today, so it's no big deal. But this does is, is a reminder that entering the 2020 season, we were worried about his durability. Are you worried? No more than I would have been anyway, and it's on people for not having just not uh, have, having not taken into account that, that he does have a he's got an injury history more so than you'd expect for a player of his age. But the fact that this was simply mentioned as he's had shoulder issues over the year and it's something he deals with off and on doesn't alarm me. I, I think if you prepared for the fact that Tatis. He's a risk to miss time. He's no lock to play 162 games. Last year went very well, but it was six, a 60-game abbreviated schedule. Then I think you're all right. This is a primary reason I was not willing to put him number one in my rankings. But if you have him, say, two or three right now, are you moving him to six or seven or are you leaving him alone? Leaving him alone. Not, not, not moving him. You? Not moving him yet. Um, I think I go – well, I have him number two or three. I bet Soto. I might go Soto over Tatis. And I shouldn't do it off of that, but – I mean, Soto's just amazing. I, 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 and I think if Tatis steals like 22 bases and Soto steals like 14, then I'm going to feel silly taking Tatis over Soto when he misses 20 more games. I don't know. I, I, I think I think Soto is the best going to be the best player in baseball. Like we we we, we term Trout that. I think by the end of the season it'll be Soto. That's how I feel. Yeah, for for, for fantasy purposes, I don't know about the real game. Just because oh, I think the, real game. I think real game first, and then the, fantasy. The defense. The, the defense is a hindrance to him. He the could Trout's now improve. Trout's defense wasn't that great. I'm not sure that Trout is necessarily the clear number one guy either. I think there are candidates for this, and you're right that Soto belongs in there. But I, I think the upshot for us fantasy wise is that if you want to go with Juan Soto, or I, I'd even make the case Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom there over Tatis, I have no problem with that at all. I think that once you're getting to the Trey Turner number and lower, that's where you're getting a little bit overreactive. Moving on, lots of other stuff. I was watching this game. Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox tried to rob a home run. He got his left arm caught over the left field wall, and then he was hurt. And then he left the game. And then I'm thinking, well, can we have two DHs per team? Because really, he is a DH playing left field. He's like Marcelo Zuna. He's just a hitter. Should not be playing the outfield. And they've got Andrew Vaughn who's going to make the White Sox. So they cannot DH Eloy Jimenez unless they move on to left field, which I don't think anybody thinks is going to happen. So I think this one, he might miss some time. And Eloy, I've been fading Eloy in the third round of drafts because that's where he's going. And I'm thinking, well, he doesn't steal bases. He's not really like a 35 homer guy. So why is he going in the third round? So I, I moved him out of that round. But what say you about this injury? 
it bothers me enough that I'm not as as uh, aggressive in drafting him as I previously was, and I am probably in a good portion responsible for at least on our site getting him a generous ADP. I like him a lot. I think he is a truly special talent with the bat. I wish he had a, a, a better walk rate, so the on base percentage was up there with some of the others. If you play in a league that uses that, I I don't want to be alarmed by this injury yet without knowing what the long-term prognosis is. But I fear the George Springer comp here where we think, oh, it's no big deal. Just, you know, just shrug, you know, laugh it off, I guess. And, and laugh isn't the right way. You know what I mean? It just, it just discard it without a second thought. And then you find out he's on the IL for two weeks. That would impact him enough, impact my opinion enough that he dropped to about 40, 45. You know what I don't get? Um, Jose Abreu was projected on our site for more of everything than Eloy Jimenez, and Jimenez is going 20 spots ahead of him. Is that because of age, or we don't think Abreu is going to do it again? Like, is it just because Eloy is like the, the shiny new toy and, and Abreu is older? Like, that's ridiculous to me. I think that's part of the reason why I fade Eloy and I keep getting Abreu in round four or five. Why, why does I, nobody want Abreu? Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that approach. Um, it, it, again, they're, they're, when it comes to my rankings, there are some – Chances I I have to take. There are gut instincts that I have to bake into that ranking set. And that explains for me the difference between the two. I personally prefer the upside and the potential growth that Eli will, Eli will show this year compared to Abreu, who is very consistent. That said, I, like you, I've been falling into Jose Abreu at a great, uh, great price a lot, including in labor. I was extremely pleased, pleased with that price. I'm, boy, I can't even speak today. I'm like falling on every word. I guess it was a late night. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we're, all, we're, all pretty, we're all pretty pleased today because the season starts in a week. Moving on. Um, Arizona, Zach Gallon, stress fracture in his forearm. Shouldn't have been batting in the first place, but that's separate. Nobody cares. Um, but he's going to miss some time. He might miss all of April. How far down do you move him in your rankings? If you had him, say, like number 20, 22, is he like 40 now? So I had him 18th originally. And in the rough draft ranking set, I'm trying to push through here quickly. I dropped him down to 23rd, and I don't feel great about it. I actually liken this to how I felt about Carlos Carrasco when I first heard about his setback. And this was before the 24 hours later that we learned about it was significant. He would be on the IL and miss at least a month. So I think that Gallon could go in that direction. I'm, I'm drafting an AL, an, an AL. I am drafting an NL only league tonight, and I. This is probably going to be, I keep going back to Springer, the guy that, that you know, he's going to go for a cheap price because of fear of the injury, and I have no problem with that. I'm going to let him go. I, I can see, like you're saying, the case for he doesn't make the top 40. I can see it. You know, you keep mentioning Springer. Let's get to him, and we'll get back to uh, Arizona in a second. George Springer's injury, no uh, diagnosis yet on whether he's going to miss the, first, the start of the season. It's what is an oblique with him. Mm-hmm. I, would, I think it seems pretty obvious he would miss a couple weeks of the season, um, I think. But um, how far down do you drop him? And obviously, we, we look at you know hitters and pitchers differently when they have injuries. We assume the hitters come back fine. Pitchers, we seem to worry a little bit more. They get babied a little bit more. But this is a grade two oblique strain. I got to think he starts the season on the injured list. And we need to note here – Springer has not played more than 140 games in a season since 2016. Not exactly an Ironman to start with. Concerns. Yep, very true. That is uh, one of the things that concerns me. The other thing, too, is at Springer's best, 
he has been a counting numbers dynamo in large part because of being at the top of a very potent Astros lineup. So some of the bigger years you're seeing are coming simply from that. It's opportunity. So that's one area I'd be very careful about. The other one is that the oblique injury is one that is three weeks of risk for me. I don't really care what the prognosis is. I'm going to write off personally the three weeks from the point of injury. I'm not expecting anything from him, which means I'm I I think it's probably for the best that he's on the injured list to start for the first two weeks of the season, certainly for the long week one for us in fantasy leagues on ESPN. I'm not moving him down a rash amount, but it's probably five to eight spots among outfielders. And as I said, it was he was a guy who last night I was comfortable going for a little bit cheap. I did push his price up to, I think it was $18. Typically, I'd have him up in the 25 to 30 range uh, and then let him go from there. I am, I'm hesitant. I'm fading him. We should note replacements here. Like Arizona replacing Zach Gallon with Taylor Clark you shouldn't care about. But Toronto could use Randall Gritchick in center field. He's got 30 home run power. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. Well, actually, only one extra guy. I mean, Gritchick right now looks like the extra Blue Jays hitter. Um, you know, in the outfield because they've got Teoscar and Springer and Lourdes Gurriel, uh, Rowdy Tellez at DH, uh, future MVP, maybe this year Vlad Guerrero at first. So they've got a lot of stuff. Um, there was a report that um, Kevin Biggio was hurt with a finger injury. Yeah. If that's an issue, they can move Vlad to third, Rowdy to DH, and Gritchick plays every day, or Rowdy to first, and Gritchick plays every day. So interesting what's going on with Toronto there. Because um, they have a replacement, whereas with most pitching staffs, they just don't have a replacement. Um, I want to get back to Arizona for a second because Dalton Varsha was demoted. And, um, you know, I drafted him in a couple leagues as a catcher who I expect to bat, I don't know, 250 with 15 steals, eight home runs. That would matter at catcher where nobody steals bases, but they sent him down. The starter there is Carson Kelly. The reason why it surprised me is because Cole Calhoun's probably starting the season on the injury list with, an, I think, as a knee injury. And I'm not sure who the right fielder is. If it's Paven Smith, that interests me. He was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Um, your thoughts here on Varsho? Do you still draft Varsho? Do you still have him ranked as like a top 15 catcher, or do you move him down now? No, I'd move him down. As a matter of fact, the conundrum by demoting him is that there are very few league sets that are going to afford you the space and the luxury of keeping Varsho around for the chance that he gives you stolen bases as, I'd say, more likely a platoon man on the better side outfield. Uh, spot. So yeah, there's a danger that he's not even a top 25 fantasy catcher at this point. It's, it's, it's terrible news because you and I talked about this a lot. He's one of the few players who could contribute stolen bases, which is an asset at catcher. It's more about avoidance of bad numbers there than anything. Um, It actually is a a big, I actually really regret not putting this guy in my column on Tuesday. Josh Rojas, who's had that great spring, his exit velocity numbers are outstanding. There have been plenty of studies about what max exit velocity means for a player's upside. And Rojas is putting up numbers that are falling into that tier. And that just the fact that there are those studies out there and that he is putting up the numbers he has, has me intrigued. They're probably going to play him part-time. He'll get the strong side of the platoon against righties at second base. Ketel Marte bounces around. You're right. I don't know what exactly they do about right field, but this is an opportunity for Rojas. To me, that swung all the interest at, from Varsho at catcher over to Rojas, and he was a non-factor in ESPN leagues. We should know Tristan's excellent article, um, which spring stats actually matter, was posted a, a couple of days ago, and there's great stuff in there about the, the spring training stats that, that actually matter. And it's not just Vlad. Uh, there's some pitching ones in there that I think are important. Let me ask you, where do you get the exit velocity numbers from? Where where do you find that? Where a hard hit rate? How can people that are listening to the show get the information that you're using in your columns? 
Okay, so uh, people are, I'm surely, very familiar with Fangraphs at this stage. Fangraphs has imported a lot of the StatCast data. So if you want to get a one-stop quick shopping, that is a great place to go. Uh, another place, though, is Baseball Savant. Baseball Savant is an amazing website for StatCast. Uh, I mentioned in the column that there are nine ballparks covering 11 teams this spring that have StatCast equipped in their ballparks. Unfortunately, it's only one of them that's out in Arizona. Most of them are in Florida. However, if you go on a Baseball Savant, there is a search. That is the only place you're going to get them for spring training. But if you change it to 2021 and you pick spring training, you can get things like max exit velocity. If you want to see pitchers' velocities, understand that it's only for the games that have StatCast equipped at those parks. So it's not covering everything, but it gives does give you a nice snippet. And you want to look for the high over 100 mile per hour exit velocities for hitters. That's pretty key. You want to look for the velocity changes. And you also want to look for difference in pitches. You can select different pitch sites on there. A lot of different options. So for me, I just download it and I run a whole bunch of queries. That's how I put the column together. I think if I ran a whole bunch of queries, my, my uh, laptop would shut down. Um, another my, another uh, young prospect who got demoted who I was high on is Alex Kirilov of the Twins. He's a guy who has pop, batting average. I really expected him to be the everyday left fielder and do some damage. And then they demoted him, which means they'll probably play Jake Cave in left field. And maybe this is a service time issue and he's up in two weeks. Or maybe they really think that he needs work. And remember, AAA doesn't start until May. So you demote a guy, he's not getting regular at-bats in April anywhere. So, you know, like, Varsha could have – and Varsha wouldn't have been getting regular bats. I mean, the backup in Arizona, Stephen Vogt. But, man, I, I, I still think Kirilov has a really bright future, but I can't make a case to draft him anywhere now. Jake Cave, do you want him? No, Cave's going to matter in AL-only leagues if you're willing to do the matchups homework because, I, I mean, that could end up just being a platoon between Cave and Kyle Garlick maybe. I'm trying to think of who they would throw on there as a right They have Rooker. A young guy with power, Brent yeah. Walker, who could make the team. Yep. Um, he bats left-handed too, I believe. So That's it would problem, be a natural yeah. platoon. Um, the, this is the problem with the Kirilov. So, so Kirilov was a guy who was thrown in there late in the the auction salary cap portion, um, and and I'm I'm actually leaning heavily towards fading him because my concern would be that Trevor Larnack is as interesting a prospect as Kirilov, and I feel like there is really only one position for the taking. Like what you said, the lack of minor league baseball, you know, formal minor league baseball in the month of April, I think works very much against a guy like Kirilov. And I wonder whether those two end up in a race head to head. This goes back to, um, weren't we, we were, yeah, we were debating Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez in Houston two or three summers ago. It feels a lot like that to me. Right. Now both are going to be stars. Um, and of course the twins have a DH and he's going to win the MVP of the American League and the MVP of the World Series. I have the twins winning it all. I have a lot of bold predictions in today's column. Most of them, if not all, are ridiculous. Um, Cardinals, Harrison Bader starting on the injury list with a broken forearm. Uh, Dylan Carlson could play center field. I have him winning rookie of the year. But any any value here in Lane Thomas or Austin Dean or do they platoon the Cardinals in right field? Your thoughts on the Cardinals? Yeah, it, that's another situation where it's a mess. They did get the news that Justin Williams, who is a guy that's been talked about a little bit if you're you're in the deeper spring, spring training things, they got another option on him. So they could shuffle guys around. They could move Tommy Edmond out to the outfield, which I think they might do at least a decent chunk of the time, kind of like Arizona where they're a little bit fluid on the rolls. To me, the big impact is that this alleviates any concern that Tyler O'Neill is going to lose at bats. I think they need to get his glove in the lineup. He's got some decent pop and is actually all right in terms of plate discipline. Lane Thomas may be a late-round NL-only guy. 
It's not going to be Matt Carpenter. He's like one for 30. And that's oh, he's awful. Spring, spring he's training awful. stats matter there. He, he's just, he's done. It's a shame. I he test. used to have a lot of value. Yeah, that's you an eye I test thing. Do the eye test. We can t- yeah, he does not. He looks spent. <laughs> Justin Williams bats left-handed, which is why I think he's in at least a platoon with Lane Thomas and Austin Dean about right hand is something to watch there. Um, what other news? Chris Davis, the we used to say the good one. Now neither are good. Baltimore's probably shelving theirs because of an injury and they don't want him. And Texas picked up Chris Davis for Elvis, and uh, he has a quad strain. And I had a chance to keep him in a league you and I are in, one of, one of, maybe the only league you and I are in together, and I decided to let him go. Uh, I don't think Chris Davis of Texas is going to help at any fantasy or sim teams this season, so let's move on. Um, what other news here must we get to? Lance McCullers gets five-year extension. That's a lot for Lance McCullers. They must think that he's going to be healthy for the most of this. To give him that much money, $85 million over five years, do you feel the same way in fantasy? Would you commit? I would, but cautiously. Uh, he was one of my leading guys on my AL only staff, but I did not spend for the big pitchers. So it was a matter of uh, accumulating four to five guys in that general tier and hoping that one of them breaks out. McCullers could do that just because he still has that filthy curveball, but he needs to stay healthy. And I think the Astros are going to be very minded on keeping his workload in check. And to your point, I think that the contract comment is very valid here in that we're seeing this century a lot of teams sinking money into guys that they're expecting will perform at the future point beyond the signing date. That's something that we've seen as a frequent pattern. It does not always pan out. I keep thinking back to the Chris Benson contract. Remember where he got a whole bunch of money? That was, yeah, at the time we didn't even know what it meant. Um, Houston's Luis Garcia faced Washington's Luis Garcia yesterday. You want Houston's. He's going to make the rotation. He's good. They're both okay okay as flyers. I don't know about Washington's. He doesn't look like he can hit. The issue with Garcia, uh, with Garcia and Washington is that Starlin Castro got hurt, and I think Castro is is a great value in every league I've watched, and those are, again, leaning deeper. But Carter Keyboom has not performed well during spring training. I know he's trying to make some adjustments, but if Castro misses time, somebody's got to make that roster. You know, I was watching Carter Keyboom the other day, and I thought about Scott Kingery, and it's sad because, man, I thought Kingery was going to be a star, like a 25-homer, 20-steal guy, and he's just lost at the plate. He can't hit. And I watched Carter Keyboom hit, and I'm thinking the same thing. Like, these minor league numbers were awesome, and in the majors, he just can't do it. And, you know, maybe give him more time. I'm not giving up on him yet, but, man, I, the eye test tells me there's nothing there. You know, I had a chance to get him the other night, and he was he was not expensive in a salary cap, and I was like, oh, let someone else deal with it. I it just – he doesn't look like – he doesn't look good. And Kingery looks terrible, terrible. And I've got him so many places in like keeper leagues, and I'm just going to give up at some point, maybe this year. I'm you know? I'm a little bit worried there that he's going to turn into a change of scenery guy, that there is going to be an opportunity, but it's not going to come in Philadelphia. They'll have to find another team in order to do that. Right, and the center fielder is probably going to be Roman Quinn, who's having a decent yeah. spring. He's starting to bunt more. Yeah. Um, some more pitchers. Soroka starts on the injured list with the Achilles, but I bet he pitches in April. Uh, Sonny Gray starts the season on the injured list, but don't fade him too much. It's a back injury. He's probably back by mid-April. Um, I think there's a question later about Chris Sale, so we'll fade that one. Um, I'll, throw, I'll throw you one team I want your perspective on. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers rotation with the news that Tariq Skubal has Everybody made. Everybody loves him. He's you know, a, I want, that's a stat cast, darling, and I wanted the name in there just because I couldn't get him in the column. I watched him pitch against the Phillies last week or whatever, and I thought, wow, this, this, there's something here. But it's Detroit. So while I do think – I think there's a strikeout guy there, more strikeouts per inning. But how could he have an ERA better than like 
430 with the Tigers. Like, I, that's part of my concern is that nobody in that state. If he's Matthew Boyd, then, you know, all right. Do I want that? Do I want Robbie Ray or Caleb Smith? Like, I like Caleb Smith more, but that's what it reminded me of, Caleb right. Smith. That's actually that's not a bad comp in terms of uh, uh, you know from a ranking standpoint. Scooble for me, I'd actually be more worried about the whip than I would be the ERA. And as as you said, I mean you know he's not going to get a whole bunch of run support. But what was interesting to me is that where we were talking so much about Casey Mize at the onset of the offseason and Scooble was a little bit more of an afterthought. Yes, a very big big prospect, not too far behind. Things have really changed where Scooble is up here and Mize has plummeted. That, Mize that's terrible. Yeah. I watched Mize pitch against the Phillies as well, and he had nothing. And they're not going to demote him, so he's going to be up. So if you take Mize, Mize I think they a pitch, are. I think they might demote him. I, I do you think might have to. Yeah. Yeah. But like, do you want? How long do you wait? Like, all pitching prospects are different. So it's like, like I, I'm not expect nothing out of Spencer Howard this year. Durability, performance, nothing. With Mize, like I'm starting to think, and Nate Pearson, I'm starting to think, just give up for this year, just this, and Kopech. Who is in the bullpen? He's not going to start this year, right? So well, why he, are you drafting Michael Kopech? He's not going to get saves, and he's not going to start. Yeah, another thing to this year when you mentioned Kopech is that I think that because of the way the pitching stats will be constructed, I think it's going to be harder for a pitcher to go from relief to the rotation. This is not the situation with Chris Sale where he began one of those years in the bullpen and was quickly thrust into the rotation. I think it's going to be a lot harder. So I I do agree with you. I do think that Mize and Howard are looking very much more towards dynasty than they are towards redraft leagues. I think they're an almost non-factor. I do think Pierce and the the Blue Jays need him. So I'm I'm open-minded to rostering him late. Well, we have Steven Matz now. He looks great. <laughs> Could you believe he went for three dollars in my draft last night? <laughs> Can you believe there's something there? No, I'm not a Steven Matz fan. You know that. I never. Oh, I, I, maybe I, the first year I was, and that's it. So many home runs against the Phillies last year. I, I. But he's having a good spring. I just I wouldn't invest. We need to talk closers now. Please sing the song. <laughs> It's the closer carousel. You know, Toronto could have avoided this. They didn't have to sign Kirby Yates for $8 million. They're going to earn none of it. I mean, he's going to make it all without pitching at all for them. They've got Jordan Romano. They've got Rafael Dolis. It's their own fault. They had to know that, you know, this guy was not a lock for 50 innings. And now he's not a lock for any. He's not going to pitch any. Kirby Yates done. Tommy John surgery. And when that probably, happened, I Probably. Thought, they haven't declared it official, but probably. <laughs> you know, when, when stuff like this happens... I've drafted so many teams between fantasy and sim. I'm like, I must have him somewhere. <laughs> you know, like, where do I have him? And I'm going to wait until like Monday or Tuesday and go through all my lineups for week one. And you better do that by like Monday because it starts next week. Mm-hmm. I know I've got Kirby eight somewhere. And I, I'm like, why did I bother? I knew. I knew better. And I've got Jordan Romano in a bunch of places too because I thought, okay, draft the skills, not the job. But it just it goes back to like major league teams and make all the wrong moves. Because this guy has experience, they gave him eight million dollars when they had someone who's probably better in Jordan Romano and Dolis just sitting there. And now those guys will get it's, it's Jordan Romano, right? Is that a thirty save guy or do you think they share it or what? So a lot to unpack there. Um with all apologies to the listeners, not patting my, you know, the two of us on on the back for this one, but you raised this about Yates last year that this is a path to Tommy John surgery, and this outlines the risk involved in this particular pattern. Uh, uh, it's a one-year deal of five and a half million. I don't think that's a terrible thing for them to have taken a chance on. And I did say that, and maybe I'm forgetting this, but I do recall in a recent show that I said, this is a light switch guy to me. It's going to be all great, or it's really not going to go well at all. And unfortunately, that's the way it went. I actually 
don't think Romano is Yates equal in terms of skills, but you know what? After this spring, if you're trying to talk me into that, I think you've talked me into that. They are pretty gosh darn close. And I am shocked that they haven't. Well, actually, no, I'm not. This is a managerial thing. But otherwise, I am flat out shocked that they're not handing this job to Romano. He is very clearly capable on skill set and the adjustments he's made spring training going a little bit heavier on the fastball, and it's looking very good. He can handle this job. I'm in for 30 saves. Bye, 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 bye. And that means so bye, if, take if, him, not... <laughs> B, B-U-Y. B-U-Y. Uh, if we had Yates as a top 10 fantasy closer, should we have Romano as a top 10 fantasy closer? If he had the declaration from his manager and we didn't have to fear the committee, which they did show hints of, he is a top 10 closer in talent. Nick Anderson's elbow hurts. What are you doing here? What is Tampa Bay doing? I didn't think Nick Anderson was getting more than 15 saves anyway. I keep saying Pete Fairbanks has the same skill set. They'll be fine. But if you draft a Nick Anderson, like maybe this is nothing. They haven't declared anything major yet. But what do you think? I think that one is this is a little like Tatis where Anderson brought it up as a reference to past issues uh, and that he's all right. Air quotes all right right now. But I, I am alarmed. I do think this is something that could come back, and he did show hints of being exhausted during the late part of the postseason. And I think that the Rays are trying to duplicate my 2017 Sim League uh, pitching staff where they genuinely want to have every single pitcher who throws a game get a save for them. I I really believe that. I think they are going to split this up, and you're just not going to get a a 20-save guy. I think there's No. no chance. I think just draft Fairbanks in the last round and get your yep. nine or strikeouts, Castillo. 12 or saves, or Diego Castillo, or somebody we haven't even thought of, Ryan Thompson. I mean, they, they could give anybody saves there. Mm-hmm. I, we don't have a lot of clarity. Uh, Chris, Chris Archer could get saves. Remember, they were talking about the piggybacking, yeah. piggybacking thing. They could go five innings for a starter like Waka and throw Archer for four, and he gets the saves. I could completely see that. William Hendricks with kidney stones, but that might not hold him back in early April, so do not worry too much there. Oh, we got a declaration from Milwaukee that Josh Hader is the not just the closer, but will be used only in like a traditional one inning. That's traditional now, which is pathetic. But a traditional one inning role, yeah. which is kind of bad for his value. Maybe now he's not a hundred strikeout guy. Yes. That's excellent point. That does limit the strikeout potential. Uh, I, I also will point out in, with Hader, he has made his declaration about the changeup he's been experimenting with, that he is intending to use that pitch. And I, I hope, I think it's a good thing for him. It balances him and maybe it brings down the homers, but does it influence the strikeouts in a bad way? Just just be prepared from a projection standpoint. You do not have 120 Ks in the bank. Managers are starting to use their closers in the ninth inning of spring games. Jordan Hicks is clearly the Cardinals closer at this point, And maybe we'll get some more clarity uh, over the weekend, I believe Ian Kennedy is going to get that shot. Or Matt Bush, believe it or not, in Texas. That's Looks good. Un- unbelievable. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake McGee, clearly the Giants guy. Uh, I want to see if the Padres guy is Pagan or Melanson. Pomerantz is still hurt. Um, so there are situations to watch this weekend because managers are managing as if these games matter to some degree. You know, They're not playing all their starters into the ninth inning, but they're using their closers that way. I do think Matt Barnes will be Boston's closer as well. Let's bring in Kyle now. You have any thoughts there? Don't. You think it's Adovino? I, I think Adovino has got a, a pretty decent shot of that. He's had a, 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 Why? He's had a solid enough spring, and they have been making hints that they might give him, give him some opportunities. That could go committee. We, we can't sweep Cleveland under the, under the, the carpet. Well, you That's know what huge. I think. That what is, do you think? I think that news is huge, and it took a lot of people by surprise. And Wait, I what's the news? Tell people the news, because I don't even know the news. So there was a, a 
Wow, gosh, I, I'm sorry to the the beat reporter who I'm missing the name of. I, I, sh- I should look it up. Um, but there was a report that uh, Terry Francona is pretty high on Nick Whitgren, and that Whitgren very very realistically could take that closer job because of the concerns about Karinchek's control. That that's got an impact. Interesting. So I was in a salary cap uh, league last night, and Karinchek went for a ton. I got Emmanuel Clase for like a dollar, and then Wickham ran for three, and that's the reason why. So I missed that piece of news. Okay. Who is the AP's Tom Withers, to give proper credit. All right, let's give proper credit now to our buddy Kyle, who comes in for trivia and hash browns. Kyle, what you got today? We got some trivia to start. Since the beginning of 2019, three twins have the top or are among the top six in average exit velocity. I know Eric can name at least one of those twins, but I want the three that aren't on Minnesota. Two outfielders, one infielder. That will be your hint for today after we get through hash browns. First one comes from Mike, speaking of injuries all podcast today. He wants you to pick an injured pitcher to roll with for 2022. Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino. Well, if you're going to roll with an injured pitcher for 2022, it's Mike Clevenger and over Justin Verlander, and, and those guys are probably in it. But for 2021, I think it would be a more relevant question. I, I, I don't trust Severino whatsoever. Tristan, maybe you disagree as a Yankee fan. So I'm going to rank him third among these three and fifth, in, including the other two with Tommy John surgery missing the season. I think, I think Syndergaard's going to pitch the most and then sail. So for this year, that's how I would go. I, I can't trust Syndergaard to stay healthy even next year. So I would take sail in 2022. I, I would – I would be practically spot on with exactly the way you rank those. I do feel supremely confident that Sale is the guy you want for 2022. I probably just taking the four would go Sale, Clevenger, and then it's a toss-up to me between Syndergaard and Severino. The gut wants to tell Severino, but you can tell from all my hats behind me here why, why I would go in that direction. You'd really I, go I'm Sale over Clevenger. Oh, that's, that's interesting. To me. Yes, absolutely. I think – I am going to take the chance that if Sale returns at 90, 95% even of what he was, he is the best of those four pitchers for 2022. I don't know about long term. Well, then again, Clevenger's not young either. It's going to be 30 next year, right? Or is that, he's not that old? I think he is 30 or 30. He might be playing next year at 31. I'll have to look at it. He started late. Like he he hung around the minors for a while. He's already 30. DeGrom DeGrom also started late and he's been amazing. So it's it's nothing against Clevenger. He could still do this. I think I'm a little bit more concerned about Noah Syndergaard than you are. I, I am a little afraid that he never returns as as quite the same pitcher he was before. That there's a little bit too much credit given for reputation. All right. Fair enough. King wants to tip his hat to Carabao, who nailed Bieber in 2019. He wants to know who the version of that is this year, a pitcher that can make the massive leap. Man, if we knew that, <laughs> we, we wouldn't be doing it. It'd be this. so easy. This podcast would be like 10 seconds you, long. But you did. You nailed Thank it. Bieber. I was sitting next to you with the game, and I remember you're like, hey, look at this. Well, because he never walked anybody in the minors, and, and he had stuff. Yeah. No, he wasn't Zach Davies. Like he, he was a guy, and Savali is similar. Um, he's a guy who had amazing stuff and wasn't walking anybody. If you can command your pitches like that, man, and you throw harder than Zach Davies, I'm in. But I mean, if I knew of who it was going to be this year's, I would move him up my my rankings, right? I mean, we all love Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon would have been one of those guys, and maybe he still is. But you want somebody just like off the radar. Bieber, we didn't even rank that well two years ago, so. 
I still he was Orioles. he was draftable. He was definitely in the top forty, I believe, that year. I don't want to say Gosman, so I won't. Um, Montas. So basically, you're talking about somebody who we rank, but he's going to take a step up. I mean, Tyler Mayo fits that bit that bill to, to some degree. But I mean, again, I don't want to say that he's going to end up like Bieber, a Cy Young winner. I don't see one. Like Zach Eflin's got stuff. He could be a top twenty starter. Tyler Mayo could be a top twenty starter. Manaya. Savali, but they, they they can't be. I don't see Cy Young. I mean, Dustin May could be a Cy Young winner if they let him start 25 times, but they're not going to. Is there somebody using Brady Singer? No, I don't. Eliezer Hernandez, that's interesting. Yeah. Another guy's made some nice adjustments this year. The changeup's looking a lot better. Bieber, by the way, was 156 overall on SP40 in the ADP in 2019. So looking from going to 40 to probably the top 10. If that's the case, I'm throwing you Julio Arias. Julio yeah, I mentioned him too. Yeah, yeah. But I, the difference is like he can't pile on the innings because he's a Dodger. Yeah, that's – I, mean, I don't think it happened. I don't, I don't think it happens this year for anybody. I, I'm not sure mathematically it could happen this year. But I'll say Plesak. Plesak is my guy because that, that he has the command, throws hard enough, doesn't walk anybody. I could see another Cleveland guy becoming a top ten guy. It'd be Plesak. Did you there. did you throw Ian Anderson? I didn't. Um, watched a little bit of his outing yesterday. One strikeout in six innings. He couldn't he couldn't get anybody out. Like he couldn't yeah. he couldn't finish hitters off. Now it's a spring game, but it's also yeah. a week before the season. They're yeah. they're they're throwing hard now. There, there are a couple things at play there. One is he could be reaching the dead arm period that a lot of pitchers do right around this particular week, and that helps keep his price in check because it was skyrocketing. But I've also seen a couple of the previous outings where I, I saw some things. He is working hard at adjusting and adapting his game, and, and I'm getting a little more confident in him. Okay, fair enough. Next. Eric doesn't like taking credit, but he nailed Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts for this same thing for football. So. Eric's kind of got a track record. I'm drafting Plesak everywhere. It's just, it is what it is. It's got good Thomas likes Thomas likes to put his multi-eligible multi players on his bench. Excuse me, bench. He wants you to pick your favorite from his crew this year. Chris Taylor, Tommy Edmond, Tommy LaStella, David Fletcher. Who gets the nod for the late round pick? I've been using Chris Taylor for that over Edmond. Um, if I thought Edmund was going to steal 20 bases, it would be different, but I don't think he's going to do that. And I think based on his minor league numbers, this is not a Whit Merrifield story. This is a guy who people overrated. Um, Chris Taylor is pretty safe playing time and he's just, I think better. Um, but still, I like, I project, I predicted in the ridiculous column that he would hit 20 home runs. Um, won't do anything else. It's going to be like, Lestella is going to lead off and have a 20 homer, 50 RBI, two steal line. San Francisco, which is helpful in a lot of leagues, but maybe not an ESPN standard. Um, Bijo's eligible in a bunch of places. I would say Taylor over Edmund would be my ranking. Fletcher I like in an on-base percentage, but, man, that's a single-digit homer and single-digit steel guy. It's hard to roster that in the ESPN league. You need – like, I overspent on Victor Robles and Leo de Tavares in my salary cap auction last night because I, I was desperate for stolen bases, and they were the only two guys with potential for 30. But they're not good. <laughs> so if you take Fletcher, that's no steals, that's no power. You can't afford to do that, even if he's eligible everywhere. So I, I can't. What say you? So I've got them ranked Edmund, Taylor, Fletcher, Listella, But I'm not really excited about any of these guys. I don't think that there's some sort of huge breakthrough any one of them makes. I, I agree with you on all the things you're saying about Edmund. The, 
The reason I would take him first is that he is likely to pull in four key position elig- uh, eligibility numbers, second, adding second to third short in outfield. Um, he's pretty darn quick. And I, I think that's a pretty decent thing to have from your, your multi-eligibility uh, kind of guy. The issues I have with him, of course, are he's a f- greater than 50% ground ball guy. He's not very good against right-hand pitchers, so he gets the weak side of the platoon numbers. You know, he he just doesn't hit the ball with authority. You're right. It's just I think he's going to get you playing time in a lot of positions, and it's not a bad thing to have. You know what I wish I had done in my ridiculous column, bold predictions? Nolan Gorman gets promoted midseason by the Cardinals and plays second base when Edmund fails. I like it. Nolan Nolan Gorman is going to be the Cardinals' second baseman. He's got massive power. He'll strike out a lot. But why did I forget to do that in my bold predictions column? Nolan Gorman. That's a, that's a name to think about. I'm just he's, that's a that's a gut instinct there. He's dead on, listeners, because that's one of the guys I was most mad I couldn't get at the end of Tal Wars NL. Wow, I like it. All right, last one comes from Jake. He's in a very deep league. He wants a sleeper outfield that you like, or outfielder that you like for OBP leagues. OBP uh, leagues. Well, we're assuming that Brandon Nimmo is gone. You want somebody later than that. So I'm looking at Tristan's rankings, which go 125 deep for uh, OBP. Like, it, like if Mike, Mike Tobin got traded somewhere and became a starter, that'd be interesting. He gets on base. Um, but he's not going to play a lot for the Yankees. Um, Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman's a perfect guess. Yes, he's leading off for Detroit. That's a 12-homer, 12-steal guy with a 360 on base, potentially. And he's definitely leading off for them. Um underrated in OBP people don't realize Miles Straw is not a throwaway in that one category he's not he can get on base I think he might get overpowered at the plate there's no power there when you have no power man you yeah. risk D Gordon like on yeah. base because pitchers can pitch to you differently you know he's you know he's underrated and nobody wants and I have him everywhere I had a guy Adam Eaton he's batting second for the old yeah. man's White Sox and he's going to get on base at a 370 clip he's going to score 90 runs going to have 15 homers and 15 steals you know what adam eaton's really underrated that nothing great but like they if david fletcher is seven homers and and eight steals adam eaton is like 15 and 15 with a lot of runs scored yeah he's underrated the other that people always overlook when they switch to obp is that jason hayward is a heck of a lot more yep. valuable than that he gets on base doesn't do much with it but he gets on base that's an excellent guy as well and I, I kind of think Brian Reynolds bounces back for Pittsburgh. I'm not saying he hits 330, but he could go 280, 360, 410. Not a lot of power. That could help some people. So, and yeah. again, Nimmo, we mentioned. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, can he get on base enough? No, I don't, he's not one I, I lean towards for OBP. I like him a lot as a player, but I don't know that OBP is what gives him the big lean here. You know, the one for me is Tim LaCastro. We didn't mention him in the Arizona outfield there. I think he is going to get a chunk of that outfield uh, playing time. The on base yeah. percentages aren't bad. Yeah, he's, he's super fast. Base. He could be John Birdie without the infield eligibility, Tim LaCastro. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Woj bomb. See this? Nick Vucevic? I did. Uh, Chicago? Oh, wow. What is it? Nothing like the Magic and Bulls making trades today. You got you to gotta follow ESPN and Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski today. Uh, come on, Kyle Lowry. Come home to Philadelphia. We need you yeah. to win. What time My team's your three? team, but I think it'll happen. Three, four o'clock, something like that. Yeah. Three o'clock three, is the three, trade three deadline. Three. I'm sure ESPN has a show uh, that'll have uh, the other, you know, up to the minute stuff. Yep. Um, you got a chance to win a title. You know, if you have to trade Tyrese Maxey, this goes for fantasy yep. baseball. You have a chance to win a championship. 
76ers do. It's, they're not going to be Brooklyn like this, but getting Kyle Lowry could help you. Fantasy Brooklyn baseball without Harden, Irving, or Durant right now, you could beat. Man, that was embarrassing last night. Oh, my Utah. God. It was by 30. <laughs> well, that game was over, like, in the first quarter, like, first five minutes. Um, yeah, no, I if, in fantasy baseball, you have a shot to win, you, or any fantasy. I, I traded, like, all my draft picks for Derrick Henry in a fantasy football league. He went nuts in December. I lost in the playoffs, but I don't feel bad about it at all. It was the right move. Do it in baseball as well. If you can trade, look, if you've got a high, a top prospect in fantasy baseball for this season and somebody's offering you Nelson Cruz to win this year, you win this year. I'm telling you. Every time. Every time. You have no guarantees that Mackenzie Gore or Wander Franco or Dylan Carlson are going to be great. But you know Nelson Cruz is great. And I, I I hate to be the pessimist here, but you never know whether your league is going to hold up the same way it does down the road. Exactly. Yeah. Win now. The the whole flags fly for everything. Period. I was just going to say that. <laughs> All right. Let's answer trivia. I have no idea. You know why? Because I don't pay that close attention. Like, I pay close attention to average extra velocity when I'm doing players. But, like, I don't know. I, 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 since I think I know the infielder. Let's hear it. Uh, Fernando Tatis has got to be the infielder. He was by far in uh, last year. Fernando Tatis is not the infielder. He is 13. Well, nine, 2019 wasn't up there. I mean, we're splitting hairs ultimately. The infielder is going to be a hard one to get. The two outfielders, I would be surprised if you did not get. Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo does not show up there. I'm trying Barrel to guy. He is 20th. Is yeah. there like a minimum PAs as Stanton and Judge? <laughs> Judge is number one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this so now you're down an outfielder and an infielder. Both have played over 180 games, so both have played plenty. I I'm not good at this one. Let me think I if I can it. remember who that would be. Outfielder. One's fantasy elite. Juan Soto. Nope. Struggled last year, but pretty I, good. I year guess. Before. Oh, Yelich. 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 Yep. Okay. Now you're missing the infielder. This would. This is why I'm asking the question. This one. Oh, me. I know who it is. I know exactly who it is. It's the guy that I love, isn't it? I have it is heard Raphael you. Devers. Ooh, no, he's ninth. He's wow. half a mile behind. Yeah, he's right there. Half a mile an hour behind. Not Luke Voigt. Not Luke Voigt. Great defender. Hot corner. Not Arenado. Not Arenado. Right idea, though. Great defender. Hot corner. Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman. Wow. 93-7. Really? And he did yeah. nothing last season. No, I thought that was pretty impressive, though. That's very impressive. And you remember going into the 2020 when he was healthy, we thought that's a potential, like, he could raise that batting average, like 280 or so, you know, because he walks, hits the balls hard. He'd been hitting like 250, 260, and I thought maybe he hits, if he hits 280 with 32 home runs, you know, that's a that's a not an eighth-round pick. That's like a third-round pick. I got it. One one of the things that's really disappointing with his example is that missing the time because of injury early on kind of deflates the number. So I can't dig into the stat cast, but he, I don't think the batting average comes back. I think the path for him is he could elevate this to 40 home runs. He was, he was kind of transforming his game into going all out for power. Can he hit more than Fran Mill? <laughs> that's, that's actually a, not a bad comp. I think he's much better in terms of plate discipline of the two of them, but he, he could put up power numbers similar to that if that's the direction he wants to go. 26% ground ball rate last year? Whew. Pretty impressive. With that ex- average exit velocity, that's a 40 homer path. It is. 
that's it for today. Uh, baseball games start counting next week. So pay attention to the news. Lots of injuries, unfortunately. And um, you might learn about a closer situation, a lineup situation. I'll try to cover it in my weekend report on Monday online. Don't forget to listen to the Baseball Tonight podcast because uh, they know what's going on as well, just not from a fantasy aspect. Tristan, have an awesome weekend. Kyle, you as well. You have one as well, too. And I'll tell you, by the way, exciting forecaster next week. Oh, the forecaster. When's that coming out? Uh, the projected date is Tuesday. So, And I'm committed to getting it out there on Tuesday. Quickly Best possible. piece of content at ESPN Fantasy is, is Tristan's Fantasy Forecaster. And you do that every day, too. It's not, you, up, you update it every day, right? That's like I, a full-time job in itself. I do. I do it every single one of the 183 days or whatever it is and love every minute of it. It's That's tough why, during football, but I love it. <laughs> That's why Tristan's pulling out his hair during the baseball season is because of the forecaster, but it's it's good for everybody else. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball, and please have an awesome weekend.